It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. We'll talk Missouri-Delaware State a little bit here in a few minutes, but honestly, it's Missouri-Delaware State. This shouldn't really be all that entertaining of a game. And uh, we are kind of every week. We started last week talking to LaDamian Washington. We're trying to bring in a different former Tiger for you guys to hear from, just kind of catch up with uh, with some of the guys you've watched over the years. And happy to have from, I'm assuming, somewhere up in Edmonton, uh, former quarterback James Franklin. Is, is that right, James? Are you up there? Yes, sir. Up here and uh, already having to pull out the jacket because it's a little bit colder than it is in Missouri right now. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, what uh, what are kind of the seasons like? What What is it up in Edmonton now? Well, uh, last week it was about 75, which I believe Canadian, they go on Celsius, so I think that's around maybe 18 or 22, somewhere around there, but it was about 75 last week, and then this week uh, it's been in the mid to low 40s. Uh, but next week it's projected to be in the 60s. So the weather kind of changes randomly like Missouri, but when it gets cold, it gets cold. Now, I know you signed with Edmonton before last year. So what's it like? I mean, do you live up there during the season and then, then live back closer to home in the off season, Or, or what's, your, uh, you know, what's your schedule? Where are you based? So last year it was out of Edmonton um, just because my wife and I, we'd been married for about a year and then we wanted our own place and kind of wanted to set our own foundation. So after the season, we went home for the holidays uh, around Christmas and January just to see friends and family. And then we came back up here to Edmonton and lived here year round and we really enjoyed that. And then this year uh, we plan on doing the same thing going back in December and and January, but then the off season might be a little bit uh, more time spent in the States. Okay, now I want to talk about the football in a minute, but what, what's the biggest difference? I mean, it's not like it's a, a, a completely different uh, society probably, but what, what are the biggest differences in, in living in Canada versus, you know, growing up in Oklahoma or, or going to or Texas and, and going to school in Missouri? Oh, well, definitely uh, the atmosphere of football. So here it's hockey. That's a big thing. Right. Football is – it's not as big. It's, uh, I mean, we have a decent amount of people that come, uh, somewhere around 25,000 to 37,000. Um, and most stadiums don't hold about 25 to 35,000. But the atmosphere is definitely different because here people come to the game and, and probably 50, 60% of the fans are, are really into it. And the other ones are there just to, to watch football or, you know, maybe they got a ticket or something. Whereas in the States, uh, I mean, everybody's into it. You can get a three-yard gain, and <laughs> everyone goes wild. Where here, most of the time they go wild is for a, a pretty big play or, or a touchdown. But um, so that, that part is a little bit different uh, and something I'm getting used to. But it's definitely more enjoyable than I thought it would. I, I didn't think yeah. it was going to be bad coming up here, but I didn't really know what to expect after being here for last year and then starting out this year. Um, it's been really fun, and I've enjoyed it a lot. Now, I know my very rudimentary knowledge of CFL football is that the field is wider <laughs> and that the end zones are, are twice as big. I, I mean, uh, it, it, how different is it? And what, what's the competition level? I mean, there have been a lot of pretty good players playing the CFL. Yes, sir. So the field is 15 yards wider, 10 yards longer. The end zones are 20 yards instead of 10. So I feel like you have forever to try and score a touchdown in right. there. And the field goal posts are at the front of the end zone instead of the back. Um, so that, that's kind of uh, – it's, it's all a little bit different at first. And then the three downs instead of four, 
uh, for the first couple games, I was so confused as to why we were punting it on third down. <laughs> but then I realized, you know, okay, we only had three downs. Um, right. So that, that part is uh, <laughs> definitely a, a little bit different. But um, it's fun, though. And then as far as the, the competition-wise, it's, again, better than I thought it was going to be. Like, obviously, it's not the NFL, but coming up here, uh, I didn't know what to expect. But all I'd heard from buddies and friends were, Oh yeah, you know it's a D league, or there's not that great of players up here and things like that. And then after coming here and, and seeing it for myself, it's like, wow, okay, this is this is a lot more competitive than I thought. From a quarterback standpoint, uh, it can be a little more challenging because not saying that we're better than the NFL quarterbacks, but uh, there's an extra guy on the so there's 12 guys instead of 11, mm-hmm. and with the field being a little bit bigger, um, you have to throw like sideline to sideline it's closer to like a 40, 50 yard throw if you're throwing from the hash to the sideline compared to 25 or 30 yards in the States. And so that part um, I really like, and it really allows quarterbacks specifically to develop like in their arm and getting used to um, judging the distances on the field and also being smarter with that extra player out there. I, I was going to ask you as a guy who, who obviously could run the ball a little bit too, is it easier because there's more space or is it more difficult to run up there? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I get, I would say it's a, a little bit easier, um, when you get outside the pocket mm-hmm. or when you get through the line, um, when you're going up the middle, sometimes it, there's definitely another, uh, extra guy to kind of look out for, but sideline to sideline, definitely a little bit easier. You have a little bit more time to try and decide to make somebody miss, but I, uh, <laughs> when you take it off and running, since it's such a big field and the guys are having to cover longer, if they come up at all, you have a lot of space. Uh, if you come up to try and take the runaway, you have a lot of space to dump it over the top to a receiver that's open on the sideline. And now, obviously, James, we've heard, you know, we know some of the names. I mean, Warren Moon started in the CFL. Doug Flutie played there. But how how many of the guys, and, and I don't know if this is the case for you, are up there thinking, hey, I want to use this as a springboard to catch somebody's eye in the NFL. And, and how many guys are saying, hey, I'm happy here and, and I'm going to play football here as long as I can? So I think – in, in my opinion, the younger guys, um, they are kind of using this as a window of opportunity back into the NFL because they're young in their career. Um, maybe a chance they didn't get to play in the States was because they were inexperienced or teams weren't sure how they would handle professional football. So they come up here for a couple of years, become a star, make a name for themselves, and then go back down to the States. Uh, but then there's also a lot of guys, um, more so I guess you could say, who are a little bit older, who think like, I, w- I just want to play football as long as I can. And you have a great opportunity for that up here. And uh, the thing about it too, is the quality of life. That's one thing I never took into consideration when trying to plan and, and want to go to the NFL when coming up here, I was thinking, okay, same thing. Try and use this as a window of opportunity back into the NFL. And then, well, we get six months off of off season of absolutely nothing, no requirements, no, wow. Nothing at all. I mean, six months completely off. And then even during the season, they have what they call a four-and-a-half-hour rule where uh, most teams start at nine. Obviously, quarterbacks come in earlier. But, so we go from nine to about 1.30 p.m. Um, at the latest, like officially. And then, of course, quarterbacks will stay a little bit after. And then uh, other teams will, too, or other players will, too. But, you know, you're done at, for the first three days of the week. You're done somewhere around – Two thirty, three at the latest for the first few days. Then the day before the game, you're done at 11.30 if it's a home game. Don't have anything else until two hours before the game. And then you always get the day after off, which is really nice. So, unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't help whenever uh, 
you have a short week. Like last week, we played on Saturday – or sorry, sun, Sunday, and now we have a game on Friday. So we have about five days in between the playing. So we only have a practice. Uh, we only technically had one practice. And then we have a walkthrough today, and then we have a game tomorrow. So uh, that part is really nice, and it appeals to a lot of the guys as far as quality of life, having off time, and you, you're able to do things that you enjoy in the off season um, and still be able to play football. Yeah, I uh, I know a lot of people that would like to institute that four-and-a-half-hour rule at their job, so we're going to see what we can get done here at uh, Rivals.com. Four-and-a-half hours, Monday through Wednesday. I like that. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> That'd be nice for you. N- n- no question. Now, I-, I saw last year, you know, you entered the season as the third-string quarterback. Ended up playing quite a bit uh, through, like, 140 passes, I think, this year. Not quite yes, as much opportunity. Uh, uh, w- what's kind of your situation on-, on the team with Edmonton and- and, and you know your your future there yes sir so uh you know it, it's kind of tough because being the backup you want to play and usually the only way you can play is if the guy in front of you gets hurt or if you're up by so much uh the other team has no chance of coming back or if you're down by so much you have no chance of coming back and so last year with our start again i got an opportunity to play uh, and it's exciting but you know as, as you guys know and a lot of mizzou fans know I've been in a situation where I've been the guy getting hurt. And so I'd never want that to happen. And thankfully this year, our starter, he hasn't gotten hurt. Um, he stayed healthy and he's been able to, to help the team and, and do really well. So um, that's, that's really good. And so I never want to play because of that. But at the same time, I, you know, I still want to play. So going into after this year, it's called my renegotiation year. And so uh, basically that just means the team has um, – they're suggested to renegotiate a contract. Basically, if they like you, then they'll talk about extending your contract, or if not, they'll kind of just wait it out and see what happens. So um, this year, it's a lot of other quarterbacks around the league have gone down. Um, they've had some injuries and things like that. And so I've gotten the call to um, other teams are want, talking about coming there, getting traded and things like that. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen as far as my future career. Um, I've been, my wife and I have been, doing a lot of thinking about it and not knowing what's best or what we should do. So what we've been trying to focus on until the season's up is um, just focus on the here and now to where if I do go in, I get the opportunity to play. I need to make sure that I'm ready to go. And then after the season, we'll see what happens. But it's really hard to, to know what's going to happen. Um, obviously, I'd like to do whatever's best for my career. But right now, I, I don't really know what that would be. Yeah, and it's not a surprise people get hurt. I was looking at I can't believe, a twenty games regular season. I mean, that's nuts. <laughs> yes, sir. It's definitely pretty tough. Um, I think last year we ended up playing uh, with the Grey Cup included. I think it was like twenty three games. Wow. Um, so it was twenty three or twenty four games. It was a lot of games. What one more just on, on football up there? I know uh, Kendall Lawrence is obviously in the league up there. I think I saw maybe Henry Josie is is giving it a shot up there. Is that right? Yeah, yes, sir. So, uh, Kendall Lawrence, he was with Edmonton Eskimos, the same team I'm on now last year, but then the coaching staff went to Saskatchewan, and then they took him with them. So, he's in Saskatchewan, and Henry Josie is with the Toronto Argonauts. Okay. Do you keep in touch with those guys and and, and see them when you play and all that? Yes, sir. Sure. Um, I got to – just we played Saskatchewan last week. got to talk to Kendall a lot, and then uh, we played Toronto a few weeks ago, and I got to talk to Henry a bunch. And, actually, I believe uh, Hill Brantley is trying to come up here. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah so he, he reached out to me a while ago and just asked about it and said he had some interest in coming up here. So um, I, I, he'll be coming up here, I, I think. He'll, he'll, he's trying to. And then, obviously, I'm sure you talked to LaDamian Washington about yeah. coming up here next year. 
Yeah, he said he said he was definitely going to um, try to try to work something out for next year up there. And now I want to ask you too. I know when when uh, you'd actually reach out to me on Twitter and we talked a little bit. Other than football, you got some other things you're trying to do. Uh, just say I'll kind of give you the floor there. What are you uh, What are you trying to do outside of football? Yeah, yes, sir. So uh, obviously I'm <laughs> trying to do a lot of things, but one thing that I really um, saw on my parents that they did growing up was just making an impact on people's lives and. Uh, in any kind of way possible. And so my dad, he's uh, one of the things he does is a motivational speaker. And so I got started on that really young. And one thing I've been trying to build is my speaking business in the off season, doing keynote speaking. And also uh, I'm going to try and set up a speaker circuit, just traveling around Missouri to everywhere, St. Louis, Bernie, Springfield, Kansas City, Columbia, uh, anywhere I can, just speaking to at different schools, um, different churches, any, any keynote events. Uh, I'm trying to, been trying to set that up for a little bit, um, just to kind of hopefully inspire kids and, and use the, I guess you could call it the little celebrity status that I have left uh, before you know, I get too old when everyone forgets about me. Um, but just being able to go around the different places and um, just share a message with kids on any topic where it could be perseverance, setting goals, um, staying active, and and just being able to go after something that you want. Because one thing that I've learned through all my adversity is, uh, you know, obviously you have a lot of people that'll be against you or a lot of people tell you it might not be a good idea or you can't do this, can't do that kind of thing. But there's nothing wrong with trying and having a good game plan. And so um, that's what I'm planning on doing the offseason as a speaker circuit around Missouri um, at different schools, different events, and just trying to reach out to different people to, to set that up because it's obviously not something that uh, – I'm experienced with in this field exactly as far as how to set them up. Mm -hmm. Um, So now I'm right now I'm trying to find like a speaking agent to help set those kind of events and things up to where I'll be able to go around and and hopefully make an impact on a few of the kids. Okay. Now, first thing, you're not allowed to talk about being old. You're 25 years old. I turned 40 (laughs) this year. So you got a little bit, Um, but uh, if, if there are, we got people all over the state that are listening to this. I mean, say somebody, um, you know, was interested in, in having you in the off season to kind of come speak to their kids or something. Is that something, is there a way for them to reach out to you quite yet? Or is that what you're saying? You're trying to get kind of set up. Yes, sir. Right now, it's it's mostly just the email, but I'm trying to get an official way to where uh, I've, got, I've got the website, Franklin Vision Management. Um, or sorry, uh, not Franklin Vision Management, FranklinVision.com. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one way I think my email will be on there. Then also, I mean, people reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, that's pretty much the um, unconventional ways right now, but uh, definitely I get most of the, the calls or most of the requests I get have come from email or just somebody knowing me who knows that, that I'm trying to speak. Okay. Okay, cool. So there, there you go. If you're interested in uh, reaching out to James, that's how you do it. Now, uh, James, we got to spend a little bit of time talking Missouri football. How, uh, how closely do you still, still watch? Uh, I mean, do you still get a chance to see some of the games, most of the games? Oh, yes, sir. One thing that's nice about up here um, is even on like our CFL game days, um, they'll still air a lot of the college, almost all of them, but most of the college football games and, and the NFL games and everything. And so I've been able to see the, the past couple of Missouri games. And, you know, there's guys here, too, that played at Clemson, Florida State, Georgia, and all these schools down there. And so everyone's like, oh, you know, James, Missouri's going down this week or things <laughs> like that. So I've downloaded the apps and keeping up with them. And uh, it's, it's been really fun. I know the record isn't 
obviously no one wants uh, I believe is it one and two, is that one right? One and two, yeah. Yeah, yes, sir. And then they lost. Oh man, they lost a tough one last week and Yeah, I was uh, gonna say if you, if you know guys from Georgia, last weekend had to be kinda tough. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. I haven't I've heard about it you know, for the past ever since it happened. And once they scored that touchdown at the end, uh the guys were texting me and then I've been hearing it every day of practice. It's just nonstop. But, uh, I definitely enjoy being able to keep up with them and see how the program's doing. And it kind of stinks that our season, it goes in the summer, starts in June, and ends in November um, because I want to be able to come back and come to a home game. Mm-hmm. Want to want to jump back in time now. Go back to, to last year. What was your reaction when you heard Coach Pinkle was retiring? Uh, it was tough. Um, and he's done so much for the University of Missouri and for the program. And he's really known how to set things up to, to have success as a coach and, and have success as a football program. And I know there's a lot of Missourians that uh, really look up to him and, and really he means a lot to them. So um, to hear him step down, I knew it was going to be hard for a lot of people just because he's done so much for the program. But um, the fact that he's still being able to be involved with the program, uh, I think a lot of people are happy about that just because of everything that he's done for them. So it was definitely t- tough, especially the reason why. Um, he was stepping down. Mm-hmm. That's never in any situation. That's never easy, and you never want that for anybody. So uh, it was definitely hard to hear that. But uh, hopefully, I know he has a lot of support, a lot of prayers, a lot of thoughts going his way, and that's something that hopefully everyone knows. Everyone who knows Coach Pinkle knows he's a fighter, and he's going to fight uh, as hard as he can for as long as he can. Now, uh, another guy, that, and this one probably come a little bit out of left field, and I, I don't know how close you guys were, but obviously you and Maddie were in the same meeting rooms and everything for a long time. Hey, hey, since everything happened with Maddie last year, have you talked to him at all, uh, keep in touch, or offer him any encouragement? Yeah, yes, sir. I mean, one thing Maddie knows is he can always reach out and talk to me, and uh, I think the last time I talked to him, I think it was last spring, Mm-hmm. Um, I'd actually have, I need to text him because I know their season started and everything, but just talk to him about it. And he was keeping a positive attitude. And obviously, you know, he, he knows too, there's been tough situations and he's made mistakes just like everybody. And, uh, I'm always trying to encourage him, but at the same time, I don't want to, you know, come across as like, Oh, Maddie, you should be doing this. Or you shouldn't be doing that. I just know that you can do this. Uh, the thing that I've just tried to do is know, or let him know that I'm, I'm here for him and, uh, I'm always supporting him. He was one of my groomsmen in my wedding, so okay. I've always I've always got his back, and I, I'm glad that he's getting an opportunity to continue to play football. Now, uh, when we had LaDamian on last week, he, he told me that the play that everybody, when he comes back to Columbia, always talks to him about is the double pass down at Georgia. What sticks out for you in your in your Missouri playing days? I mean, is there is there one play, one game, or anything that really sticks out above the rest? <laughs> No, sir. Uh, it's funny because I've, I've kind of been asked this question, I think it was a couple of years ago, but mm-hmm. um, really the thing that when I think about my experience at Missouri, I think about how much I grew there, um, mostly from the injuries because I think of the Georgia game. Uh, both years I played them, um, I got hurt. The first year wasn't as serious, that game. I mean, it, it kind of kept me from focusing on the right things, but the next week I was out, and then obviously my senior year separated my shoulder um, but I, that's probably, if I think of Missouri memories, probably Georgia, uh, is what I remember the most of Georgia games, just because, um, our first SEC game was against Georgia. And I remember that was when Sheldon Richardson said something about grown man football. Mm-hmm. And then, um, obviously my senior year getting knocked out, but still being able to beat them there at home. Um, that's probably the, the thing I remember most is just being able to grow from my experience there. Cause 
uh, you know, every player wants a successful career. Everyone wants to accomplish a lot and, and break records and things like that. But um, I just know that was the biggest time where I grew. I went. I was at the lowest point in my life uh, so far when I was at Missouri, and I was also uh, at the highest after coming coming back with a, a better attitude and just learning from that. So uh, my mind's a little different, but there are a lot of plays that stick out. That, that double pass is definitely one of them because at the time I was in the – uh, x-ray room right. getting an x-ray to, on my shoulder and I was watching it on TV like I was a fan at home and uh, I remember we scored on that play and I kind of I tensed up and I was like yes and then it hurt my shoulder but <laughs> it was just it was really exciting just to see that I remember the play with Henry Josie at the end of the Texas A&M game scoring right. us to put us up I remember playing Texas A&M sophomore year and going into overtime and winning um, I remember playing at Baylor this one play, uh, Marcus was Marcus Lucas. He was outside receiver, and he was supposed to have uh, a little comeback. And for some reason, him and I were on the same him and I were on the same page, and he ran a go, and I threw him a touchdown. He made a great play, and uh, I mean, just all, all kind of different plays that I remember, and so many good memories there. Um, all the fans at Mizzou yelling M I Z Z O U, and just uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. I think about back at being back at Missouri and all the memories that. Uh, I'll be able to remember for hopefully the rest of my life unless I get too many concussions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know we laugh, but but certainly not a joking matter. Um, <laughs> and, and we won't keep you more than a couple more minutes, but the, you mentioned that game at Baylor. And the one thing that always stuck out to me that I remember more than anything else in your career, because that was your first year as a starter. That was the year, I think, that RG3 won the Heisman. You guys went down there. And, yes, sir. And he kind of put on a show. But what I remember, that's a night game. And standing outside the locker room and seeing you come out and just try to bend over to pick up your box lunch. <laughs> and, and, I mean, I, I remember hearing Missouri fans saying, wow, James has missed a lot of games. Is it, 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 where is he a tough kid? I'm like, you didn't see him outside that locker room. I mean, did you ever play a, a game healthy in your career? Because you, you looked like you were always beat up, man. Oh, man. It's, so, it's actually kind of funny, and, and it's something that, I thought about a lot um, because honestly, after after my senior year, um, I was pretty bitter and, and upset for about a year just because uh, all the injuries that I had. And it's frustrating because, you know, not that necessarily everyone was on my side, but just the fact that my sophomore year, like I, you know, I did pretty good. I was able to stay in, but I they what they don't know is I broke my fingers, I cracked my sternum, I fractured my pelvis, um, I cracked a couple ribs. Uh, tore part of my hamstring, twisted my ankle. I mean, I had a and, lot and of little played, injuries, but nothing. You played that... through all this. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. And then um, going into after I tore my labrum, going into my junior year, uh, obviously I came back and I was ready. And then I busted a bursa sack in my shoulder, um, so that kept me out that game. And then obviously I tore my MCL, and then I got a concussion. Um, and it was, uh, it was, it was frustrating. And then my senior year, um, I was so excited because at the time when we were. I believe it was six and or five and when we were playing Georgia, mm-hmm. and then um, whenever I got hurt, I was so devastated because it was the first time in a, I think since high school where everyone's going to have like, bumps and bruises, and I know everyone plays with little injuries, but uh, it's the first time I felt really good and I was healthy and I was just, if anything, I was just a little banged up. I wasn't necessarily injured. I just had some uh, some painful joints and things like that, and so uh, I was really excited. And then when that happened. Um, I mean, the first thing that I thought was now I can't, I can't prove everybody wrong because of the, not to use as an excuse, but some of the injuries that kept me from playing. And then when I did play, 
uh, I wasn't making the smartest choices because I was worried about my injuries. And so uh, that was my chance to be able to prove to everyone that I, I am a successful quarterback. I can be a successful quarterback and a good leader and, and make smart decisions. And so uh, that was tough, a tough pill for me to swallow after a while because, um, you know, you don't want to make excuses for yourselves. And you don't want to feel sorry for yourself. Um, but that was something that took me a while to, to get over and, and to grow. And eventually I got to grow from it. But that, that six-game streak uh, or five-game streak my senior year, I was, uh, I was healthy. I was good. I was ready to go. And then, you know, I, obviously adversity hits. And everyone deals with it, too. Um, I don't even want to think I was the only one that had injuries or was banged up. There was plenty of players around the country are, are always like that. But um, it was definitely a learning experience, though. And, uh, yeah, you'd, it'd, it'd be nice, you know, to be 100% all the time and to be able to showcase what you can do. But you got to deal with what you have. All right, just two more questions off that then. You say you're bitter. I mean, bitter at what, fans, media, coaches, or just the situation? Just the situation. Um, I know, you know, obviously it's nice when you have people on your side or people that know what you're going through, but um, just more so with the situation that I kept thinking, you know, why am I getting hurt? I'm, uh, I've always been healthy. I've never had serious injuries. I, I drink a lot of milk, you know, to make my bones <laughs> strong. I, um, I work on uh, – rolling out my, my body, stretching and things like that, and just think, you know, why why do I keep getting hurt? And, and when I do good, why do I have to have something bad that happens? And uh, it was more just a situation. I mean, uh, I was never – I mean, people, they can say or, or think or believe what they want. And so I, I never wanted to be mad at anyone for that because I could understand, you know, if I was a, a big fan of something or someone and they kept not performing or something kept going wrong, um, I'd be upset too. But I was more so just my situation that I was in. I got you. Okay, last thing then. You just listed all those injuries off. So tell me what it is about football. Why is it worth it to go out there and go through all that? Um, well, on top of it being the biggest team sport in America, uh, it's the chance to be able to help out um, and impact as many people as possible. That's the reason I, I wanted to play quarterback in the first place. I didn't get to play until my junior year in high school. But uh, – knew that it was, a, it was a big team sport and it was a position you could help out the most people because the quarterbacks naturally are seen as a leader. Um, now, not every quarterback's a great leader, but you have to kind of learn that role. But in that, um, I mean, you get to interact with the offensive line, the receivers, the running backs more intimately because um, you're having to give them the protection, you're having to throw them the ball, you're having to hand the ball off to them, and then on defense going against them every day and, and understanding what they're going through and the things that they see. Um, and then also the quarterback is seen as the most important position uh, to the fans, which it's not necessarily every. No, it, it is. It, you can't important. say it, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, don't get me in trouble. Here. Yeah. No, that that's me. I'm um, saying it. <laughs> okay. All right. But yes, sir, that's, um, that's something where like a lot of, you can have a, an impact on a lot of people. And I've always wanted to try and use that spotlight as being a good example to where, um, you know, not necessarily trying to go out and, and do the wrong things or, or make the big mistakes, but showing that you can be a successful player and you can, um, what most people say, is make smart decisions, although everyone's going to make mistakes. Mm. Uh, but just being able to be a good example for those kids. And so, for me, that's why, that's why football is worth it. Because I've said this to some of my teammates before, I don't love football. I, I like football, but I love the opportunities that football can bring. And to me, that's why playing football is worth it.
Well, James, I appreciate it, man. It's really good to catch up with you, and, and I want to give you one more chance to to send that website out for people that that maybe do want to want to find you and, and give you a chance to kind of spread your message to other people. What, what's that website again? Oh, yes, sir. Thank you very much. It's uh, franklinvision.com, and then uh, the email is pro, P-R-O, jamesfranklin at gmail.com. Fantastic. There you go, folks. Uh, former Missouri quarterback James Franklin. James, uh, go get your heavy coat on. Enjoy Edmonton for the next few weeks, man. <laughs> yes, sir, I will. I appreciate you taking the time. And for all the Mizzou fans out there listening, M-I-Z. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, James. Appreciate it, bud. Yes, sir. James Franklin, former Missouri quarterback. I will say this right now, folks. 28 minutes with James Franklin. That was That was great. I mean, you get so much more out of some of these guys when they leave and when they have a couple years perspective on on things then you do I, I mean James Franklin when he was here I would have said nice kid but we don't really know him because he didn't really talk to the media a whole lot and there he explained it a little bit he was and you could tell when you interact with these kids look you could tell James senior year he wasn't the same guy he just he he wasn't as happy go lucky. He didn't really like talking to us. He took exception to some of the questions we asked, and, and there you heard it. But I, I'm telling you that that vision of him outside the locker room in Waco in 2011, and, and he he listed off like 13 different injuries. I, I had no idea he was suffering most of those that year. But I mean, seeing him, he looked like a 50 year old man outside that locker room in Waco, Texas, and. Uh, that's why I always said, you know, I, I think one of the things that probably kind of uh, kind of sidetracked things a little bit at Missouri for him was the the game he missed, that he didn't take the shot, and Gary Pinkle, you know, said it on national TV, and I think fans reacted one way to that. But I will tell you, and I, I think it came across there, James Franklin's one of the tougher football players I've seen at this school, and uh, really appreciate him spending some time with us uh up from Edmonton, just got done with their walkthrough. They have a game tomorrow. Uh, they're 5-7, and seven, game 13 of a 20-game regular season coming up. Uh, and so always good to catch up with some of those former players uh, that that I knew a little bit but certainly uh, never got to have a conversation like that with, and hopefully that gives you guys a little bit of insight into James as well and, and a guy that definitely still has a lot of passion for the University of Missouri uh, who play this week Delaware State. Um, here's what I know about Delaware State. Their nickname is the Hornets. They are 0-2, and one of those losses is to Monmouth. You better have backups in for most of the second half. You better win this game by a bunch. And look, these games keep getting scheduled for two reasons. Number one, it pays the entire athletic year's budget, basically, for the smaller school. And number two, just often enough, somebody will do what Nichols did a couple weeks ago or will do what Jacksonville State did against Auburn last year, and they will come just close enough to winning this game that that people can say, see, any given Saturday, anybody can win, and they keep playing those games. And, and you'll get, hey, you'll get a North Dakota State that they're as good as some Division One teams. Delaware State is not that. Um, they just uh, – they aren't. Missouri's going to win. They're going to win by a lot. We didn't want to spend a lot of time previewing it because there's not a whole lot of point in that. We'll still do our Saturday morning kind of matchups and keys and all that, but uh, there's not going to be a lot of suspense to it. I'm going to pick Missouri to win this game and win big. Three o'clock for O'Field on Saturday, but I um, wanted to take a break from the previews and uh, glad to spend some time with former quarterback James Franklin. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back next Thursday on the podcast previewing Saturday night in Death Valley. Thanks for listening.